Sandy. What's up? I'm nothing. Nothing at all. I mean, I don't live in Alberta, so like nothing's up with me. What about you? Do you live in Alberta? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't live in Alberta, and so also nothing is up with me. But maybe we should talk about, I mean, we've been promising people forever that we would talk about Alberta. Yeah. Is it time? Yeah, yeah. And and I I feel like just so people can kind of appreciate our creative process coming up with these episodes, like it has been a long time that folks have asked us to talk about Alberta and we haven't for a bunch of reasons. I think that and this was the same kind of thing with the NDP by-election in Burnaby South. It's always better for us to be able to wait for something to happen because I mean, like we could predict stuff will happen, but who wants to listen to that episode after? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. So, but but we do we do predict stuff anyway. We like do in our last episode when we predicted that with the changes to post secondary education in Ontario and the funding being tied to performance outcomes, Nora said, "Well, those performance outcomes could be literally anything," and uh, proven right yet again on this podcast. Yep. as the government has linked. One of those performance outcomes to be the future salary of graduates, which is like, doesn't make any sense. Maybe we'll talk about that more in depth later. But just to let you know, again, this is a good podcast. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Mary Lee Fullerton, who's the minister responsible for all of this, who spells her name like phonetically. So I always find that a bit funny because it's like like it's like a Mary Lee go around or something. She has no fucking clue. I mean, like, or she has a clue and it's a bad clue. It's a negative clue. Negative clue. What does that mean? What's the anti-clue? I can't imagine thinking that graduate salaries is what you should be rewarding (laughs) universities with. It's like universities have zero control over that. The government has control over salaries more than universities do. And you're going to, I mean, it's, it's so nonsensical that it makes me want to punch things. Mm-hmm. But you can find more of us talking about that on on Twitter. Just find our Twitters. <laughs> it's not hard. But today, less Ontario, more yeah. Alberta. Yes, Alberta. Which Alberta. means we're going to talk about everyone's favorite politician. Rachel Notley. Kaylin Ford. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jason oh, Kenney. There's so JK. many. There's so many personalities in Canadian politics, but who has the most like dastardly history than than Jason Kenney? Who has a more dastardly history than him? I don't know. Fewer or worse in Canadian politics. Yeah, no. Fewer. Fewer really are worse. I feel like Kenny is one of the the, the the few politicians that I think really behind that flesh mask is actually like a demon face. Hmm. Hmm. And like few, there may be few who are worse, but uh, none who have as much power. You know. Yeah. So yeah. and that's that's what makes him 
a really threatening figure for the future of Canadian politics, the present of Canadian politics, and also the past of Canadian politics. <laughs> so um, I think that we'll be talking about uh, Jason Kenney quite a bit in this episode. Uh, but we'll also talk a little bit about like what this means for the country, because a lot of people seem to be nervous about what Jason Kenney's election will do for the federal election. And so we should talk about that because that's a concern, you know? It's a concern. Yeah. yeah, totally. But who was elected in Alberta? <laughs> uh, who was elected? Well, it was the United Conservative Party, uh, led by... United Conservatives. Yes. I mean, they're just throwing it right back to, like, the good old days of the United Church being, like, the official Church of Canada. Like, we're just right back there. United Conservative Party. It's a very, it's a very socialist name. It should be. It should be. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So Jason Kenney is the premier of Alberta and um, he beat Rachel Notley in an election campaign that by many, many, many accounts was one where all Jason had to do was walk in there and win, basically. And the NDP thought that they could fight this campaign on pipelines and on kind of rushing to the center, fully overshadowing some of the other promises that they were making and which I think is the, the the principal error that they made recognizing that there may have been nothing they could have done to win which I think might be something to talk about but the principal error that they made was they 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 focused on Jason Kenney as being as shitty as he is and therefore you need to elect Rachel Notley because she's not shitty she's the opposite of Jason Kenney in terms of how mm -hmm. shitty she is. And it was a it was a massive misfire to think that anyone gives a rat's ass about how nice anybody is in politics. I mean, we've we've often on this show talked about how uh, we wish that the NDP was a little bit more bold, a little bit. It was just bolder in in taking the the positions yeah. that we really need on the left right now. And I think that um, what we see happening in Alberta is one of the examples of um, how this sort of strategy of moving to the center, showing that you can adopt some of the policies of the right, uh, just doesn't work because the right and the center, they'll always be a better right and center party than, um, than the NDP will be. And at least if you stick with your principles, you, one, stick with your principles and two, get to educate the rest of the population on the issues that really matter, which can help in the next campaign, um, which may not be an election campaign. It may be a campaign on the ground for something else entirely. And that is part of the role of a left-wing party in our opinion. Yes. But what does that leave us with? So that leaves us with um, a, uh, a, a, a province that is being led by one of the most vile people mm, yes. <laughs> in Canadian politics. And I mean, it's really so bad that it just, it really frustrates me that the um, headlines the next day didn't really say anything about, you know, like the headlines should be, you know, racist elected or like homophobic piece of shit elected or like Stone Age person who doesn't want women to have... Um, control over mm. themselves elected, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's so, so bad. And, and, you know, there's been some headlines about him and people in the party, but, but not enough for, for quite how much 
um, evidence there is out there that he's just like such a terrible person and courting the most vile people in society uh, in order to to get elected. And uh, that really doesn't bode well for a whole bunch of communities in Alberta. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in Alberta, a lot of people have flocked to that province over the years. Um, a div- diverse crew of people have flocked to that uh, province over the years because of what seems like uh, would be a, a, a plan that would lead to prosperity for them. And a lot of people are going to be shit out of luck because of what the policies of this government are. And who they're cozying up with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean... Like there's there's a lot of lessons, and um, and definitely we're not going to focus on uh, the lessons necessarily for the NDP because I think they're quite evident. I think that anyone within the party that thinks that the Alberta NDP did everything that they could and should have done, and they gave it their all, and it's too bad. I think that they're all drinking a kind of Kool Aid that causes a massive form of brain rot. I think, but the the reality is that the bigger story of this election is how Kenny was able to unite two parties into one. He united the right. And in uniting the right, he took the very old historical Conservative Party of Alberta, you know, had been in power for 40 plus years, and managed to make a home in that party for homophobes, racists, anti-Semites, people who aren't willing or who aren't afraid to hide these opinions that they have, whereas, you know, perhaps in the Conservative Party, there might have been people hiding that opinion. Um, and people who not only have these opinions, but candidates that actually would hold these opinions publicly as recently as, as 2014 or 15 in their churches talking about how, uh, you know, homosexuality is, is a sin or horrible and, um, and men should have control over their wives or whatever the fuck uh, these uh, Stone Age creatures are, are saying publicly. Mm-hmm. And why that's dangerous, of course, is because under the banner of the Conservative Party, they've been welcomed into the party. And so it's not a surprise that during the election, the big story was how many people had to either quit or were embarrassed by comments that they had made in the past, in the recent past, that w- that range from what I've already mentioned to um, to uh, you know Kaylin Ford uh, talking about uh, the white replacement theory or that there's a white genocide on right now um, and that of course cost her probably cost her a cabinet position actually because she didn't get to run and she didn't get to win out of that and this is really bad because in some ways like the NDP's refusal to stake out its territory on the left. And, and run a, a, an aggressive educational leftist program for four years, let the right do this in terms of it's like we saw this coming. We knew this was going to come mm-hmm. when Brian Jean lost in the last election. Uniting the right was obviously going to be what was going to propel Jason Kenney into office. When he became the leader of the UCP, it was obvious that he was going to be mm-hmm. propelled into office. And with all of the levers of government, the NDP decided to not actually go full bore into a radical direction or even into a leftist direction but instead double down on the pipeline message and so we have the left saying pipelines 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 and the right not actually needing to say anything uh, and working internally to make palatable the far right elements of the wild rose party that they were able to absorb into the united conservative party and that i think is really 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 scary and and in some ways it's echoes of 2000 and uh 
uh, four or wh- or whenever it was, the re- reform and the Conservative Party formed uh, their fucking um, the Canadian Alliance. Yeah, like the, the however they came into the Conservative Party of Canada. You know, it's like sure echo from the past, but in in a new formulation that's that's arguably worse. And some people have responded to you know uh, some of what of Nora, some of what Nora is saying with like, okay, but those people did resign, so maybe there's like pressure within the party um, to 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 really like get those types of elements out. Jason Kenney himself has said that he doesn't condone this type of shit, but. Obviously, he does. Like, all you have to do is take a look at his record, the record of people within his party who didn't resign, like, you know, and and also just ask the question, like, why are so many disgusting people so in favor of this party? It's because of what's really going on beneath the surface. And, you know, uh, especially for for women, for people of color, for people who are Muslim, and for people who identify as queer and trans, and especially kids who identify as queer and trans. This is a really, really scary time. Uh, one of the things that Jason Kenney and crew uh, brought up during the election was making it possible or supporting uh, a bid to have Teachers tell parents when their children join uh, gay-straight alliances in, in high schools or in, in any school, I suppose. And, like, this is the type of thing that he's saying outwardly to get elected mm-hmm. um, and the th- type of thing that he's trying to make uh, culturally uh, and socially acceptable as part of an election campaign. And then he wins. He wins. And so what effect is that going to have on children uh, who may be in like physical danger as a result of this party being elected. Oh, and, and not to mention, of course, this past weekend, uh, there was a, a rally in Edmonton of, a, you know, a couple of racists. Uh, the numbers, I think, coming from Star Edmonton were were 15. Um, the Star Edmonton, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you saw this, but they thought it was a bright idea to repeat the 14 words in their tweet about the rally. What? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it's like... Okay, okay. Now is really when you got to get this stuff right, folks. <laughs> now is Oh my god. Um, and the president of the Hockey Writers Association, um I forget his name, so I'm not even going to say it. Not that this guy's ever going to hear this show, but he he was saying, uh well, you're doing a disservice uh Star Edmonton and the writer for promoting this rally because there's only 15 people. Um you know, insinuating that it's better to just ignore this stuff or 15 people does not a movement make. But these are these are really um, these are really dangerous times where mm-hmm. uh, racists are more and more emboldened. Uh, they see what uh, someone like Jason Kenney can get away with and they emulate it and they emulate it really hard. You know, and this is what I've been so frustrated with the NDP about. Like the signals were there. Um, Rachel Notley uh, is probably like been the most threatened politician in Canadian history. Mm-hmm. maybe with the exception of Justin Trudeau, but if you consider the region that she like governs over, I would say she's probably per capita the most threatened politician in Canadian history. And those threats really help to feed how um, average people, I think, saw her. Uh, whether they would look at the threats and say they're horrible or they would look at the threats and say, oh, maybe there's something to this. Like, I would not say she should be shot, but, you know, what she's doing on the economy is bad, even though for fuck's sakes, like the economy in Alberta is such a fucking disaster in terms of how close it is to the international oil industry and oil markets. It's like, 
guys mm-hmm. <laughs> like study some fucking economics mm-hmm. this is not an NDP this, the NDP is not at fault here but anyway mm-hmm. but they but they really didn't um they didn't turn that moment into a moment to talk about misogyny in general which is of course an issue in every province in this country um misogyny is particularly an issue in uh, labor camps or or in uh, resource extraction heavy industries um it's not just misogyny violence against women real serious violence against women and you know that may have been an opportunity for the alberta ndp to have talked about that more openly in the in the context of what their what their leaders is experiencing but of course these are all very difficult things to to, to manage and they didn't they didn't, um, you know, I was looking for for the reports on the threats that she got because there were several threats that, you know, had police involvement. And in the, her executive uh, refused to release it under freedom of information um, to the press. Oh. Not, yeah, I'm not sure what that decision was about. That was back in uh, December. And so, you know, journalists want to see the threats probably just because journalists want to see everything. But at some level, like, we do have to figure out in this country how in the fuck we're going to be able to deal with this kind of thing because, if the trend continues mm-hmm. and the threats that are made against, let's say, women or racialized people, racialized women in political office, if these accelerate, people are just not going to run. Yeah. And the new the new order of who is allowed to be a politician and who is allowed to be a successful politician is going to be made before our eyes. And we will be spinning towards the past very, very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And many people have pointed out, uh, and if you haven't heard it, I'm going to say it again, that there are no women who are premiers anymore in this uh, in this country. And certainly uh, it's not looking good for, for women being um, involved at any elected level, as we've seen what's happening federally and all over the place in terms of politics. Uh, but another thing that I think, I know we said we weren't going to talk that much about the NDP's platform, but one other <laughs> thing that I think was missing from the election campaign that I wish, like there was such an opportunity to do if if there was a focus on principles would have been, you know, instead of supporting pipelines, like why don't we talk about as people are going through a difficult economic time, what it means to put so much into these private corporations and mm-hmm. why it's important to have a really strong social services, which are not going to happen under the UCP. There are not going to be strong social services under the UCP, and that would have been such a really good, uh, such a good way to differentiate, you know, a left-wing party from the the UCP to say, like, you know, we're, we'll have something here for you um, when this inevitably gets worse, <laughs> like because it's yeah. just, you know, I think people. Are, are looking for solutions and there has to be solutions that are different from one another in order for people to make a different decision. You know, like, why would I count on the NDP uh, to be better uh, right-wing people than, than the UCP, better business people than people who are, like, way more connected to, to oil and... Um, and right-wing organizations, uh, I wouldn't, you know, like this, this is a really important time to talk about what the dangers of not having a strong, um, social, uh, service sector will do for the future of, for this type of province that is so dependent on one industry. And I think that that was lost and that's, what's going to happen. You know, like what's, what's happening now is Jason Kenney gets in, there's going to be a whole lot of cuts 
And if the economy goes the way that people are predicting it's going to go, well, you know, it's just going to get worse. It's going to get so much worse. And because of who we know he hates, you know, like, let's not forget that this was the guy behind, um, you know, trying to to cut health care for refugees when he was a federal minister. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was this was a guy who was all about the barbaric cultural practices hotline. Remember that when the Harper, the federal Harper government wanted to set up a hotline so that people could basically tell on Muslims across the country when they thought they were doing something weird. Like literally, that's what it was, mm-hmm. uh, despite whatever euphemisms people were using in the press. <laughs> this was the guy that was behind that sort of stuff. He does not like people who are different than him he is uh like a a a fundamentalist kind of like christian um activist and had been for since his youth um and he does not like queer or trans people this is who this guy doesn't like and oftentimes as we know in rough economic times these are the folks who are hit the hardest and he is specifically attacking them in his policies in the present and in the past. And I think that we can count on him to do the same in the future. Definitely. I mean, like, this is a guy who, when he was at university, at a private Catholic university in San Francisco, petitioned the Pope to intervene when women on campus set up, like, a pro-abortion club or the women's center had some sort of pro-abortion thing the guy petitioned the fucking pope i mean is there like telling on the principle is one thing telling (laughs) telling to the pope is next fucking level catechism bullshit like Mm -hmm. i I mean and and that's i'm not catholic so i forget what catechism means but uh, that sounds terrible it's like the long book of interpreting the rules just for Catholics, which I'm sure he's read oh, yeah, okay. many, many, many times. Like, and there's a really great video. If you haven't checked it out, you can Google Jason Kenny Young abortion and you can find a, a video, um, like a news video about this little campaign right. that he ran. And so you should definitely mm-hmm. see that if you haven't. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, one of the things that I was really frustrated with was the NDP's inability to to define what the economy was, because the economy in so many people's mind in Alberta is oil and gas. And it's like, OK, can you take the four years that you are in government to, to change the channel a little bit from that? Like mm-hmm. everyone already mm-hmm. thinks it's oil and gas. Okay. So then why don't you talk about other things that the economy creates? Like when the bottom falls out of the oil industry and people lose their jobs, who's losing their jobs? Oh, men are losing their jobs by and large. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. what in Alberta helped to, to actually like, create a a safer landing for people not a safe landing but a safer landing so people weren't out of home and out of eating and and on the streets it was the fact that many women have good public sector jobs and it was Mm -hmm. those public sector jobs that helped to keep albertans afloat when people mostly men lost or had or had reductions in hours or whatever uh, because of the slow slowdown uh, in the in the oil patch and so mm-hmm. like where is that in the discussion of the economy or where where was the economic analysis of what their childcare plans were going to do to people i mean i saw someone on my wall make the argument that part of the uh, the ndp's uh, childcare plan was to be free for people with very low income mm-hmm. i was like 
huh, that news didn't get out of Alberta. Like, was it wildly talked about there? And their response to me was, well, for obvious reasons, like, no, they, they didn't talk much about it. And the obvious reason was that it's not strategic because there's hatred towards women and poor women specifically, and it's not a popular policy. Oh, my goodness. I mean, how in the fuck is it going to become a popular policy if the left isn't willing to actually talk about it? Exactly. And like, you know, like there's just all this creative stuff that could be done. Like the NDP did during their reign in Alberta increase um, taxes, I think, by 2% or something like that to corporations that like oil businesses and so on. Like what if there was a plan to like have some sort of tax that would fund uh, education in the renewable sector, that would support people who are working in oil, who are looking for for new industries to be a part of who had maybe lost their jobs in layoffs, support them going to school and being a part of research or training in renewable energy or something like that. Like that's the kind of thing the left-wing party could really do in this type of economic times. And I'm just like, why? Mm -hmm. Why Mm -hmm. isn't that type of like really bold, creative thinking happening? Yeah. Well, they also cut small business taxes. (laughs) Right. Small business taxes. Right. People aren't devoted to oil because they're devoted to oil. (laughs) People are devoted to opportunity. Like they want to have some sort of opportunity for themselves. And if you give them some other option, I'm not telling you that you would have won the election. What I'm saying is that people will accept another option. There's no there's no like attachment to oil for oil's sake. Oil is betraying them now, too. Okay? Oil is also betraying them, and they just need to understand why that's happening. And Mm -hmm. the UCP and other conservatives, their message is that that's happening because of the left. That's happening because of politicians like Rachel Notley or um, whomever else, Justin Trudeau, who don't don't appreciate oil, which is bullshit, right? Like, obviously they do. Mm -hmm. But that's their message, that it's like their fault. But it's not. It's not. It's because of the way business and economics works. And, uh, you know, like the, the, the easy message and the loudest message that is being put out there is affecting voters. Absolutely. But they need to hear something different. Yeah. In order to know that it's something different. Yes. Yes. The other thing that the election laid bare, um, and this has um, lessons, I think, for everybody in Canada, is the, 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 the increasing divide between the city centers and the outer suburbs and the rural uh, parts mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. our country, or in this case, Alberta. And, um, you know, I, this is a big, this is a big issue. And clearly the Alberta NDP lost a lot of seats where they were surprised to have win, to have won in the first place. I don't know what their ground game was between last election and now to try and keep those seats. So it's hard for me to really guess, but what we're seeing is, um, is that really deep, entrenchment that the conservatives are so good at exploiting between the 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 cities and the rural parts of the province that the left really needs to figure out how to get around and i mean thinking about this in the the most abstract sense is like well you put an organizer into every 100 square kilometers of rural alberta and they organize i mean it's like i actually don't think it's that difficult but when you don't have policies that help bridge those divides, then 
um, the nebulous discussions about the economy actually can just mean anything to anybody, whether you're in oil and gas mm-hmm. or whether you're a farmer or whether you're maybe in finance in you know downtown Calgary, for example. And I, I mean, we th- this is going to be where the federal conservatives really pick up support. And you can see it, like you can see already Doug Ford cutting a billion dollars from Toronto Public Health. Mm-hmm. That is done because who fucking cares about Toronto? Do you know who doesn't care about Toronto? People who vote for Doug Ford. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, and, yeah. and, 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 and so, and Toronto such a huge voting base and Torontonians are like, so like scandalized by this. And you have to think, okay, you know, do breakfast programs exist in the rest of the province? What does this look like in the rest of this province? How do you, how do people look um, at Edmonton from outside Edmonton and how do they form political consciousness and make their political choices? I mean, there's going to be mm-hmm. a solid 25% of the population that you're not going to be able to change their minds of, but the NDP proved that they were able to change enough minds to get elected in the first place. So these are not Mm -hmm. impossible nuts to crack. These are, these are possible political organizing moments. The question is, is who is driving the, the decision-making? I mean, was the Mm -hmm. Alberta NDP run by a, a council of strategists who were from rural Alberta or were they from Ottawa? I mean, like, is that part of the problem here? You know, Jason Kenney's not from Alberta, but he obviously is being informed by people who know the province very fucking well. And that's just basic political mm-hmm. strategy. I mean, the left really needs to figure out who is speaking on whose behalf and who they are speaking to to come up with what exactly are the messages that are resonating with people. Okay, and so now you've brought up federal politics. Yeah. This has now happened. Yes. Jason Kenney has been elected. My condolences to all of our listeners in Alberta. What do you think that this is going to mean for the federal election coming up around my birthday, for those of who are keeping track of that <laughs> sort of thing? <laughs> the election's always near my birthday, eh? Always. Anyway. <laughs> God bless those fixed election dates. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I think that... Um, like number one, I don't actually think that an entire province, entire country whose provinces are conservative, is also going to vote conservative at the federal level. I think that there is a bit of give and take that Canadians engage in, where they vote for one party at the provincial level and one party at the federal level. So that might be working in the favor of the federal liberals. Hot take from Nora number one, but <laughs> it is historically accurate that when there's, um, I know this is very Ontario centric, but when there's a conservative. Um, government in Ontario, that there is a liberal government federally. That is historically accurate. But hot take from Nora number one. Continue. But it's really important, right? Because it's like mm-hmm. Alberta's going to go conservative. Mm-hmm. Will Alberta have more than mm-hmm. one seat for the NDP? Probably not. Maybe. But they're not going to have four seats for the federal NDP. Saskatchewan's not going to have four seats for the federal NDP. Winnipeg, um, Winnipeg Center might go to Leah Gazan, who's uh, uh, the recently nominated NDP candidate who's going to be going up against mm-hmm. Robert Falcon Wallet. So that'll be a really interesting um, race to look at. But by and large, Manitoba mm-hmm. is, you know, the North will stay NDP probably. Um, and so it's really, the question really does come down to Ontario, Quebec, the Maritimes as a block. Will like, will mm-hmm. the Liberals maintain all of their support there? Probably not. And British Columbia, where there's a lot of exiting NDP candidates uh, or members of parliament, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. But so th- so then it's like so then you can play like the cross political discussion like I just did um, and say, well, <laughs> maybe the liberals will win. Maybe the NDP will pick up some seats. Maybe uh, maybe they'll be able to stop a landslide to, uh, for, for sheer because it looks certainly that sheer might be on a landslide uh, footing. But I think that but I think that what's much more interesting is to say, OK, well, what are the lessons that we've learned from Alberta and what is the path to victory, let's say, for the NDP? federally or what's the path to victory uh in if victory is stopping andrew Shear? and do you think that that's what the 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 like that's what the goal is stop andrew Shear. in terms of rhetoric the reason why i i frame it like that is because you know there's there's two things at play there's one what do people do on voting day and then two what do people do in the streets between now and voting day to resist somebody mm-hmm like, do I think that every move, social movement in Canada, a left-wing movement in Canada, needs to right now be campaigning for Jagmeet Singh? No. Because I don't think that the NDP is with social movements at the same place. Like, that would not be a two-way street. That would be a one-way street. Mm-hmm. But do I think that the NDP is in a position right now where they need to be lobbied hard, pushed hard, and have every single lever pulled by by left-wing movements to get them to actually have an inspiring campaign and platform? Yes, I think that that's what we can do right now. And the question about do we stop Andrew Scheer, I mean, that's a very um, boring political question to put to the populace. And so I I would think no. And I suspect you probably have thoughts too. Yeah, I do. I think that there's a a way that um, we kind of take a look at uh, the conservative uh, milieu sometimes and can just see um, just all gray. Like it doesn't look like there's anything to be gained from trying to pick apart pieces, which in some ways makes sense. It's like the people who helped Ford get elected, the people who helped Kenny get elected are going to be working on the sheer campaign as well. But for me, what's more important is what we're doing in like a conservative context in our provinces, uh, which, you know, again, like if you look at what's happening across the country, it's very, very blue, some red on the on the in the Maritimes and uh, spots of, of very few spots of orange. Um, uh, that's what's happening across Canada. Like, I think that the, what's really important in, like, a majority blue Canada is, like, all the education that's going to happen on the ground. Like, fuck sheer, like, that type of um, rhetoric. Like, I, I think we know by now that it doesn't work. And, yes. and we know that because the yep. proof is in who's elected in Ontario, who's elected in Alberta. The fact that Harper got elected at all, ever, right, with the type of... ABC campaign that was being run, anything but conservative, lest we forget that type of strategy. Like it didn't, it didn't work. It doesn't work. Like, and so let's kind of maybe move away from that sort of thing and make sure that people understand what conservatism does on a federal level, but also on a provincial level, because like, who cares about that type of distinction at the time when you're, you're, you are trying to make people understand uh, why it's important to vote not for sheer, I, I didn't want to term it that way, but to vote for people in their 
um, in their regions that it makes sense for them to vote for, like where they're they're going to be served the best. Um, and that means doing a lot of education work. And that education work isn't going to come from fuck sheer. It's just not. Mm. It's just not. Yeah, and we have, you know, what, seven months, I guess, for this kind of work. But at the end of the day, it's not seven months. It's whatever is created before is what has to exist after as being the the force that confronts whatever, whoever gets elected. And, you know, there's there's some things that we can learn, I think, from the last uh, year and a half um, about the federal liberals, which is that they are very good at doing centrist populism Mm -hmm. and so they will you know they put out good vibes and they say good stuff and their actions are shit and um and the alberta ndp uh is a really good example of this with the collusion with the federal government to purchase a fucking pipeline right Mm -hmm. and this pipeline was supposed to be i mean i'm not sure what uh, like the the ticket to getting the alberta ndp reelected, or the the ticket to making sure that the carbon tax was going to stay which is actually like not the fucking be all and end all that so many people are trying to make it. There was no payoff for the purchase of the pipeline. It was just a big disaster. No, exactly. It was a big disaster. And the liberals and the, and the NDP like ha- cooked up this plan. So it's like, OK, so you're both capable of doing really bad politics in a very unstrategic way. OK. And and then more recently, we have the, the federal liberals now bowing to far right rhetoric in their anti-migrant, anti-refugee border policies Mm-mm. we got to talk about that at some point a little bit more oh 100 percent. Maybe, maybe next episode yeah yeah and so we've got this this like blob that's the federal conservative or the federal liberal party <laughs> and they have to be contained <laughs> they have to be they have to be manipulated they have to be yeah. they have to be ch- fucking moved in some way and the far mm-hmm. right is very mm-hmm. good at that because the far right they they don't actually care like they'll they say fuck fuck Trudeau as you know until they're like falling over or whatever but they actually are doing a kind of education it's fucked up education it's not true it's all lies and it's racist but it's still education of course they are and I mean the only way that at the at, at the partisan level we can combat that is the NDP has to be really fucking bold in their policies <laughs> and I mean they're they're not bad in their rhetoric when they when they speak or when they have the opportunity to be heard because they know that those two things are not always the same thing. But I mean, like, I don't know if you saw like their big green energy policy promise was to retrofit every house in Canada to be like a green energy house or whatever by 20 fucking 60 or 50 or something. I did not see that. I mean, that's not, that's not good enough. I mean, I don't even know what that means. Like what in my house is like, what does that mean? Like, sorry, you're going to pay me to, fix my windows or what (laughs) what like I tangibly have no idea what that means and I'm a I'm a moderately well-educated politically person and so it's like you know NDP Mm -hmm. like you folks you got to start talking about fucking canceling cars you got to talk about uh, high-speed rail you have to cost out how you're going to do it and you have to start getting people excited about your policies because this is not going to cut it this is the only way that you're going to be able to influence the liberals and if the if the NDP doesn't take that strong, hard left flank, then there is no partisan solution to defeating Ford. Ugh, sheer. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Whatever. 
<laughs> Nora also sees them as just a big block of gray. <laughs> yeah, although Sheer, I mean, I can look at Sheer longer. <laughs> then who? Then Ford. Like I'm not congratulations. I'm not repulsed by like Sheer's face. <laughs> and the same That's way. That's weird. It's <laughs> weird for you. I don't get that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I mean, it, you know, we're talking about that. That's shades of of gray, right? Being more or less repulsed by someone. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah. So if that if the NDP doesn't give us that, then the only way to stop Sheer and to to make Trudeau better is in the streets, is in social yeah. movements, and in social movement yeah. organizing. And I mean, I'm prepared for that to be the only action, like um, way to, to to cause action in this country. But for fuck's sakes, we have seven months to correct the course. Like the NDP really can do that. I think that's that's time. That's a good amount of time. That's a good amount of time. The liberals are kind of disorganized, as we've seen with that, you know, um, weird scandal that finally people have stopped talking about <laughs> SNC Lavalin. Um, <laughs> It's like, oh, my God, someone someone got a hold of them and told them to stop talking finally. Uh, But, you know, like they're they're disorganized and the right, you know, they may they may present a united front, but they're not actually that united. There's a lot of um, fights that go on and sometimes reach uh, our ears. You know, there's been some people who are uh, conservatives in Alberta who are upset about the. Uh, the like some of the rhetoric that was coming out from people like Kaylin Ford, and we all know what happened with Patrick Brown uh, in Ontario, uh, with Doug Ford and Patrick Brown being frustrated with each other and having a really public spat. Like there's, there are elements to the Conservative Party that are you know there are fights, and those things could be exploited if uh, the you know NDP was prepared to do that sort of thing. Um, but also on the ground, like those things provide us with an opportunity to organize for something far, far better than a, a really disorganized center and a really disunited right. Uh, but like a really principled left that's really going to care about what people desperately, desperately need on the ground all over this country. Now, I have a question for you. Um, and if it takes too long and takes us off course, then feel free to decline. and We can talk about it later. But I saw um, Kristen Wong-Tam was calling for a general strike. Mm-hmm. Did I get that right? Yeah. <laughs> that seems weird that the employer would do that, but okay. <laughs> it's a little strange. Um, where do you think labor uh, figures into all of this uh, at the federal level? Because I think it's a little bit more obvious when you're directly battling austerity at the provincial level, but the federal level is always a bit more nebulous. Oh my gosh, labor is, like, I think we've said it before on this podcast, but it's, like, crucially important to organizing because very much like a party, labor unions have stakes in a geographic way. They're able to um, reach members in a geographic way in a much better format than many other social groups anywhere. They have... They're already set up geographically, which is how politics is set up. And so on the left, they are our most organized, resourced. They are our best shot for having influence in the way that we need to have influence. And that's 
regionally. And so it is very, very important for labor unions uh, to be organizing in the communities in which they exist, um, to organize from the grassroots up and not the other way around, and to make sure that they're activating new bases. And to do more than just like, I know there's a lot of labor unions that just support the NDP, but they can be far more bold than the NDP can be, and they can drag the NDP to the left. And I know that there will be uh, some disagreements about that because people um, will talk about, you know, what the membership is ready for and so on. But, you know, by and large, I really do think that labor unions have a lot of power uh, to influence policy in this country and that it's untapped. And I think that it should be tapped <laughs> a lot more than it is is being than is being done. And I think that that could be a strategy that is used in, differently than has been in the recent past in this upcoming election. Yeah, yeah. The um the other the other thing that we'll have to talk about later because I think it's an entirely different episode is um is what is coming for left-wing activists who are visible and who are uh who are sticking their necks out. So Jason Kenney has promised to go to war, uh to set up a war room uh with the environmental movement in Alberta. And you know, climate justice climate justice Edmonton has started uh, their own funding campaign to have their own war room. So, you know, Google that and, and send them some money if you've got some money. And we'll put that in the we'll put that in the show notes. So um, if you're accessing this from somewhere other than our website, just go to our website and we'll have a link there so that you can find it. Totally, totally. The the signal that this sends is really, really bad that that we now have a premier of a province who has no shame to target individual activists, uh, journalists, right? Uh, I've certainly been targeted by Kenny uh, a couple of times in the last year. And in this past week, I think he went after Antonia Zerbesius, uh, formerly of the Toronto Star, and she's now writing for oh, Rattle. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and like this whole idea that the environmental movement is foreign funded, is uh, astroturfed, is not real Alberta or whatever the fuck, he is going to get people hurt. And the, the rhetoric... It's it's similar to the hate rhetoric, the racist, white supremacist, anti-LGBTQ rhetoric that they also have. But in this case, it's also a bit more acceptable to be openly saying we will come after these people. Mm-hmm. For example, he's setting up a war room to do this and to expose them and to expose David Suzuki and all this kind of fucking shit. And so I think that we need to watch this very, very closely because if he gets bumps in the polls for this kinds of rhetoric... Doug Ford will be doing it more and more and more because he hasn't actually really gone after activists in this way, really, in Ontario yet. Mm-mm. I suspect he will as movements start to st- like start to get organized. Um, and and so will the federal conservatives, whether the federal conservative party is led by Andrew Scheer or whether they jettison him and bring in a superstar at the last minute, they will target and try and silence uh, activists. And so, you know, be on the lookout and watch for that. Mm hmm. One final shout out. Um, so if you want to really have a deep dive in uh, into the Alberta scene uh, from Albertans, uh, check out the Alberta Advantage podcast. Uh, this week, they go through all of this stuff in, in a lot of detail and with the anger and fear that only someone living in um, Kennyland uh, can have. <laughs> so Alberta Advantage. Ew, no, don't call it that. It's not Kennyland. We do not believe it. 
Oh. <laughs> they call it Halberta. Okay. Halberta. I can accept that. But let's not not give him, you know, the satisfaction. Halberta. No, 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 no. He can be the Lord of Halberta. That will actually probably make his uh, crown of thorns uh, dig into his brain. Mm-hmm.